and pray. Let's pray, shall we? The law of the Lord is perfect, refreshing the soul. The statutes of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, giving joy to the heart. The commands of the Lord are radiant, giving light to the eyes. The fear of the Lord is pure, enduring forever. The decrees of the Lord are firm, and all of them are righteous. They are more precious than gold, than much pure gold. They are sweeter than honey, than honey from the honeycomb. Heavenly Father, our prayer tonight is that these words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts together would be pleasing in your sight, Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. 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 That was Psalm 19. Um, we looked at that last week. I really want to encourage you to pray the Psalms, use them in prayer. Now, you'll see these very exciting little books that we have, um, which James and Sarah Spanner and others have worked really hard at putting together. So thank you to you guys. The aim of this next term is that we're going to spend some time in the Psalms and also thinking about how to do kind of daily devotionals, prayer and Bible time. And this is for us to take home and not only use on a Wednesday, but every single morning we will study the same psalm together. Not together, because we're going to be in different places. You can do it together if you want. Uh, we're going to study the same psalm, and um, this is a little devotional book for you to use. Now, in the front, open up the first page, you have Psalm 1 written out there. Um, that's just for your encouragement, for your prayers as you start. You might even want to memorize it. Turn over the next page. You'll see it says Method 1 two and three. Now those methods we're going to try out in our focus groups over the next seven weeks. So tonight you're going to be doing method one but you'll start that in your group. And then the idea is that over the next week you use method one, which you're going to learn in a moment, um, in your daily devotionals as you work through the Psalms. Okay, So we'll, we'll cover these three methods, we'll give them a twice over so you'll learn how to do them and some of them will stick for you and really work. So those are the methods. Turn over the next page, and you'll see Wednesday, the 10th of May, that's today. Focus notes, that's a little space for you to write notes in the talk I'm about to give. And then Psalm 3 is what you're going to study in your Bible study right now. So that's where you're going to write your notes in there. Flick over to the very back, and you'll see prayer circles. Okay, this is just a little method to help you, help guide your prayer. When you've, when you've studied your psalm, I've, I find it really helpful to then take what I've learned and pray it for different people in different ways. So it's not just like, okay, what do I pray now? Uh, I should pray for my wife and maybe some other things. So, so I start by praying it for myself, asking God to work in me in whatever way I've read. Then I pray for my family, and I pray for my church. Maybe you want to pray for your focus group in particular, narrow that down. And then pray for the world, uh, maybe uh, for, the, for the wider church, uh, for mission work, whatever it is. Um, so that's a little thing to help you pray. One of the advantages of having a little book like this is you can use it in whatever way you want. You might be a note taker, you might be a drawer, you might be a poet, you, whatever it is. This is a little way for you to respond. You're on the tube or whatever. You can, you can write thoughts, you can express in whatever way God is speaking to you through the Psalms. And later on in July, June, we are going to have some kind of time together where you're very welcome to come along and we're going to kind of respond creatively in some way. More details to follow, a clearer vision for that later on. Um, but if that's you and that's kind of how you express, this is a bit of a, this is a term, a time for you to really run with that and maybe this book will help you. 
So like I said, in your groups you're going to be studying Psalms together. Basically you're going to have a quiet time together on your groups, so that's going to be fun. My talks over the next few weeks, I'm, I'm going to be a bit more seminary, wanting to teach you how to read the Psalms. I really want to unlock the Psalms for you. There are all sorts of different things that come up. Uh, there's Psalms all about judgment, what do we do with those? Psalms about suffering, what do we do with those? Uh, how do we find Christ in the Psalms? That kind of thing. So I'm going to be helping, God willing, unlock the Psalms. So, first of all, we're going to, today, in, um, in the next 25 minutes, we're going to think about particularly Psalms 1 and 2 and opening up the Psalms there. So, please open up your Bibles to page 543 and Psalms. Now, the Psalms um, have been described as the anatomy of faith. The anatomy of faith. So if you were to do a dissection of a Christian, of what it means to be a believer throughout the ages in all kinds of situations, if you were to find every organ that made up the Christian life, you would get the Psalms. So you find in the, in the book of Psalms hope, joy, sadness, confession of sin, opposition to injustice, love for God's word, remembering God's acts, prayers for God to act in the future, Alleluia Psalms, lots of those, how long, O Lord, Psalms, it's all there. Kind of full range of Christian experience is there. So God's given us this songbook, um, a, breathed out by him through these believers and their experiences of relating to God. And it speaks powerfully in a really universal way to, throughout the ages. Now, Psalms themselves were, were written, some of them individually, some of them already in collections, but then under God's inspiration, brought into the book of Psalms that we have today. Okay? So this isn't the lucky dip book. You know, it, we can treat Psalms a little bit like it's lucky dip. It's like it's random. It's not random. God has brought this together in a particular way. There is an order. There's a kind of message, and um, we're going to think about that. Now, there is a generality to it that, you, that is different to a lot of other books of the Bible, but there, there are big messages, big things going on. Now, the Psalms, um, as a book itself, is split down into five books. Um... Which are, which are all part of how it's arranged. And throughout our weeks in your little booklet, we're going to study going through those books of the Psalms. So there is an order to it. We will look at the first, the last of each book, and some key ones in between. So as you journey through your week, you're going to be in one of those books. And you'll get a feel for the particular characteristic of that book. I'm going to talk about how they relate in a moment. Now, before we look at the themes of each of those books, we need to look at Psalms 1 to 2, because they are the key to unlocking the whole of the Psalms. They are the introduction, because they introduce the key players in the Psalms. I see some of you are scrolling down these numbers. I'm going to give you a moment if you want to do that. Uh, they'll be on for a while. You can do it as a talk. Right, okay. Now, um, if you're watching a film, um, Within the first five minutes, you've got to know who the main characters are. A film is very confusing if after five, ten minutes, you're still like, sorry, who is that? My mum's always like that. In fact, Vicky's mum is quite famous for watching The Bodyguard. And um, at the end going, she was really good, but she's not as good as Whitney Houston. And you're like, yeah, okay, that, wrong generation. Uh, Whitney Houston's in it. Anyway, you've got to get who's in there and who the characters are. And Psalms 1 and 2 give us the characters for the whole of Psalms. So let's have a look at the characters. Psalm 1. Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked, 
or stand in the way that sinners take, or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord, and who meditates on his law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. Not so the wicked. They are like chaff, and the wind blows away. Therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked leads to destruction. Okay, first character we get is the blessed one, or, or the righteous. Maybe we start starts with this introduction, the, the bl- blessed is the one, there's this person. So in the Bible, the blessed person is the one who's living at peace with God, with their creator. With God's kind of smile over them. That's the blessed person. So in the Psalms, there's this group of people who live with God's smile over them. They are for him. He's for them. What characterizes them? We'll have a look at verse 2. The, the blessed one, their delight is in the law of the Lord. And they meditate on his law day and night. So what makes a person blessed is all to do with the next character in the Psalms, which is... The word of God, the law, that's a little scroll, right? Like the, the Torah for, for the Jews, for us it's the whole Bible. So the blessed one, it's all to do with how they relate to the word of God. How we relate to God is how we, how we relate to God's word is how we relate to God. So in his word, God tells us, this is who you are, this is what's gone wrong, this is how I'm going to save you, this is how I want you to live. And the blessed person in a relationship with God is someone who loves that word, who takes that truth of sin and salvation and new living and they lock it up in their hearts. They love it. The blessed person, verse 1, resists the alternative. Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way of sinners or, take, or sit in the company of mockers. When faced with a choice, God's people are characterized by saying no to sin and yes to God's word. We've been saved now there's this new life of fruitfulness and obedience. And that really changes things. And you get this image, which we've kind of used in our series of verse 3, of this tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, and whose leaf does not wither, whatever they do prospers. So being a Christian is, is healthy. Being a Christian doesn't mean life is perfect or that you're free of sin, but being a Christian is living how you were made to live, responding in obedience to your creator who loves you. And there's this image of this tree. Now, you've probably seen kind of gnarly, decrepit trees. I used to live in Nottingham, um, and in Nottingham is Sherwood Forest, and in Sherwood Forest is the major oak. Oh, the major oak. Have you seen the major oak? Okay. This is where Robin Hood used to hang out with Friar Tuck and all the dudes. But the major oak is less major than it used to be and it's basically got scaffolding all the way around it's like a tree anyway so there's the kind of decrepit tree but look at this tree it's it's planted by streams of water that's god's word and and then it takes up that water god's word and it produces this fruit of obedience and ongoing life the leaf doesn't wither whatever they do prospers as you seek to live out God's vision for your life, to love him with all your, all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, God's going to bring that about. You're not going to be perfect, but this is, this is God's vision for his people as they sap up his word. So this is the blessed one. 
the righteous. This is an this is attractive way of life. Someone is supposed to invite us in. Don't you want this? You're saved by God. You've been wiped clean. And now you have this new way of life. Loving God's word and flourishing in obedience. Even with the difficulties. And you'll see the difficulties in Psalms. Don't worry. So we have the blessed one, the righteous one. We have the word of God. Next we have the alternative way of life, the wicked. Verse, verse 4. The contrast? Not so the wicked. They are like chaff that the wind blows away. Therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. They are like chaff. When, um, I visited Vietnam a couple of times. And I went to this village where there was this lady who in the village square was, um, she had kind of some corn and um, she put it all into this big round basket and she went with it. And the chaff, the husk just floated away into the sky. The corn stayed there, but the chaff just floated away. It was so vivid. And this is the image here of those who reject God's word, reject God's rule, reject God's salvation. And so when it comes to judgment, they blow away. They can't stand in judgment. They can't be with God's people, the righteous. They don't have God's smile. Now this second group of people, the wicked, are they simply more sinful than the first group? Is, are you blessed because you're better and then you're wicked because you're really bad? Is that the difference between the two? What's going on? Now remember, this all hinges on your response to this, God's word. So the blessed one isn't intrinsically less sinful, but it's all about how they've responded to God and his word of hope, salvation, and a new life. That's the difference between these two. It's not that these guys are better, it's that they've received God's word and his promises for themselves. And that changed that things. That's the difference. So in the end, the difference between a Christian and someone who's not a Christian boils down to how you've responded to this book, the Bible. Do you receive what it says about sin, salvation in Jesus, and new living under God's way? If you do, you're blessed. God smiles on you. You're, you're, you're loved in Christ. Or do you reject his word, say, I'm going to keep on sinning. I'm going to keep on going my own way. And when the judgment comes, you blow away with the wind. There's two paths in verse 6. Two ways. The Lord watches over the righteous, but the way of the wicked leads to destruction. Now these two characters, these two ways of life, that those who love God and those who are against God, you're going to find them right throughout the Psalms. So watch out for them. You'll find the righteous being tempted or maybe opposed by the wicked. You'll find people who are supposed to be righteous, God's people, actually living like the wicked, unfaithful. You'll find the righteous confessing their sin. You'll, you'll, you'll see calls for vindication for the righteous and judgment on the wicked. And most of all, we're going to find God's king who begins to embody this blessed life, this righteous life. Jesus is the ultimate blessed one who lived this out perfectly. So that's the invitation of Psalm 1 to follow this way of blessedness and righteousness. Okay, those are our first characters. Next up, we go to Psalm 2, which brings us our next two characters that unlock the Psalms. Now, Psalm 2 takes um, a kind of global view. It steps back and has this big world perspective. Let me read verse 1 to 3 of Psalm 2. 
Why do the nations conspire and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth rise up and the rulers band together against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, Let us break their chains and throw off their shackles. So here we get the next two characters, and they're tucked in there. The Lord and his anointed. You see that in verse 2? The world is against the Lord, Yahweh, God, and against his anointed king. So the situation we have is global kind of war, the wicked again, against God and his king. And we see God's response in verse 4. The one enthroned in heaven laughs. The Lord scoffs at them. He rebukes them in his anger and terrifies them in his wrath, saying, check this out, verse 6. I have installed my king on Zion, my holy mountain. So God's response as he comes out in battle against the wicked who are opposed to him is, here's my king. He enthrones this king in, his, in Zion. Now, Zion is one of those words that pops up all over the Old Testament and the New Testament and in the Psalms. Zion is God's people. Okay? Zion is, is like a code word for Israel and the city of Jerusalem where they lived. So that's helpful to know as you go along. So the king has been installed as king of, God, of God's city and God's people. But it goes a step further. Verse 7. I proclaim the Lord's decree. This is the king speaking. He said to me, you are my son. Today I have become your father. So we've got a king who's also a kind of son. Turn with me to 2 Samuel 7. Go back a few books. 2 Samuel 7. I want you to see that what Psalm 2 is doing is in other places too. Psalms is not a random book that's chucked into the middle of the Bible. 2 Samuel 7, page 310. That's where I'll start. We'll we'll be down verse 11. 2 Samuel 7, verse 11. This is God speaking to King David about what he's going to do. 2 Samuel 7, verse 11, halfway through. The Lord declares to you that the Lord himself will establish a house for you when your days are over and you rest with your ancestors. I will raise up your offspring to succeed you, your own flesh and blood, and I will establish his kingdom. He is the one who will build a house for my name. That's the temple. Hello. We've been doing that. And I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. Okay, we're seeing some enthroning going on. I will be his father, and he shall be my son. When he does wrong, I'll punish him with a rod wielded by men, with with floggings inflicted by human hands. But my love will never be taken away from him, as I took it away from Saul, whom I removed from before you. Your house and your kingdom shall endure forever before me. Your throne shall be established forever. Flip back to Psalm 2. So do you see now we've got this king-son figure who is the anointed David king on David's throne who will rule forever. It was promised back into Samuel and shadowed all throughout the Old Testament in Psalm 2 and the Psalms picks up on this king-son figure. The word for uh, my anointed in verse 2, his anointed, The word behind that is Messiah. The anointed is the Messiah. 
Or in the New Testament, the word they use is Christ. So Psalm 2 joins in with this stream running throughout the Old Testament of the promised David king, the son king who will establish God's justice and kingdom on earth. So the king in the Psalms, and first of all was, was David, and then Solomon and lots of other kings, and particularly in the Psalms you're going to see a lot about David. But all of that is shadows pointing forward to the Messiah. David's like a little Messiah. If you, if you ask my daughter Rosie, who are the kings in the Bible, she might say, if she's good, King David, King Solomon, King Jesus. And the Psalms are doing that, King David, King Solomon, King Jesus. We're going to learn more about that in a couple of weeks' time. Now, this king, so we've got God, the king, establishing justice, but also salvation. Have a look at verse 10. Therefore, you kings, be wise, be warned, you rulers of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear and celebrate his rule with trembling. An invitation to celebrate God's rule. Kiss his son, or he will be angry and your way will lead to your destruction. For his wrath can flare up in a moment. Blessed are all who take refuge in him. Interesting. We've got a blessedness again. Now, we've got a little tunnel. There's a little tunnel between the end of Psalm 2 and the beginning of Psalm 1. If you play um, Cluedo, the murder game, some of you might remember that board game. Uh, this is going to work for like half the room, right? Uh, there are rooms, and in the corner of each room, there, there are these little tunnels where you can go from the lounge. No, they have a lounge. The, the, like the bedroom to the library, and there's these little tunnels. Okay, there's a little tunnel that takes you from Psalm 2 back into Psalm 1. Uh, okay, so... Right. How do you get to be one of the blessed in 1 verse 1? The righteous, who God smiles on. 2 verse 12, blessed are all who take refuge in the king, in the son. You take refuge in the king. And then you take this little journey from the end of chapter 2. You've been wicked. You've been against God. You take refuge in the king, Messiah, Christ. And you take a little journey back to chapter 1, verse 1. And you start this new life of being blessed. The one who now loves God's way. Who loves his law. And is like a tree planted. So the wicked, this character, are invited in the Psalms to take refuge in the king and be saved. Isn't that wonderful? The Psalms are a book of hope. I hope you see that as you go through. God, Yahweh the Lord, has acted through his king to bring peace, justice, and refuge and salvation. So I hope you can see also that while the Psalms in many ways are quite general, they, um, they really fit into the big story of the Bible. We've just done a Bible overview. This is all part of that story. Shadows pointing forward to Christ. The Psalms get quoted all over the shop in the New Testament. We're going to look at that as well in a few weeks. So when you read the Psalms, be looking for these characters and be thinking, the Lord and the King, they're the heroes. The Lord and the King are the heroes of the Psalms. God often is, up, particularly in the book one and two of the Psalms, is often upholding David, the King. He's, he's upholding him and establishing him as the king when others are against him. And we'll see, you'll see hope in the king, where the king judges and the king brings salvation. 
So a lot of the Psalms are concerned with God's anointed king. Either the king is speaking, you'll see little things like in the Psalm of David, so you know, ah, the king's speaking, that's important. Um, or it's, uh, often it's David, sometimes it's Solomon. Or the Psalms are about the king, or they're addressed to the king, or they find the hope in the king. So watch out for the Lord and the king. And every Psalm features the Lord. Okay, he's like the character who always shows up. God's always there. Look out for him. What's he doing? Okay, so let me summarize for you what we've seen. These are the key characters that go, God willing, unlock the Psalms for you. The Psalms are about God's people, the blessed, the righteous, who take their refuge in the, in the king and love God's way. They're about the wicked who oppose God's king and his people, and sometimes even God's people begin to act like the wicked. The Psalms are about God's word. Whole Psalms, Psalm 1919. Whole Psalms about loving God's word, delighting in it, flourishing as you obey it. The Psalms are about God. The God of creation, the God of salvation, who is faithful, strong, and hears the cries of his people. And the Psalms are about the King. God's Messiah, who God saves and protects, and who will accomplish God's work of salvation and judgment. So those are your key characters. Now as we finish, let's just map those onto the different books of the Psalms that I've been talking about. So these are, you, the way the Psalms work is book one doesn't have one monolithic kind of characteristic, but there are general characteristics and themes you'll find in the different books. Let me walk you through them really quickly. So book one, Psalms 1 to 41, a lot of those Psalms are by the king. Uh, by David, and there's a lot about David uh, in trouble, asking for help, and God upholding and establishing him as the king. There's a lot of that going on. Not all the time, but there's a lot of that. Book two is very similar to book one. Um, there's a lot of psalms by David. Uh, there's a lot of psalms, though, by other people, often about the king as well, so look out for those. So books one and two are, are, are quite similar by the king or about the king in some kind of way. Book three is quite different. Book three takes a, a dark kind of tone. This is um, Psalm 73 to 89, where God's people start acting in unfaithfulness. Uh, we see a lot more of wickedness and, and, a, and a real desperation. Some of the darkest and um, bleakest psalms are in, are in that book that you'll, that you'll find. But then book four answers book three. The, the desperation of book three finds a hope in book four where we have this announcement and establishment, no, God really does reign. It's in, in book three, think, think of Israel's history and exile, things like that. No, book four, God really does reign. He's not abandoned his people. There's a lot about God's covenant faithfulness, that kind of thing. And then book five, again, is quite optimistic generally. And there's a lot of alleluias in, in book five, especially the last few psalms, like alleluia all over the shop. Okay? So it gets kind of optimistic. So there's a, there's a journey that we'll go through as we go through the Psalms. I hope that's helpful. Okay, that's all I'm going to say for you now. Um, if a lot of that doesn't make sense, that's okay. We're going to be in this for seven weeks. And I'm going to be teaching you more and more, so we're going to think, we're going to do, uh, I'm going to do talks on, okay, what exactly do you do, you do when it's David speaking? How, how do we interpret that? Where is Christ? That kind of thing. So I've teed up some of the ideas and themes, and they're going to become clearer as we go through. But God's going to speak to us because he wrote these psalms for this church at this time. He wants to speak to us. So let me pray and then we're going to go to our studies. 
Father, we long to be those who delight in the law of the Lord. Lord, we just want to confess our sin that we so often don't delight in your way. Even today, we're just aware of ways in which we've acted like the wicked. We've gone our own way. And so we want to take refuge in the Son, in the King, in Jesus. Thank you that we can find refuge in him every single morning when we open these books up, when we open up your word. We don't find condemnation, we find hope in Christ. And so please, now as we open up your word again and move on to Psalm 3, would you refresh us? Lord, some of us are feeling like a gnarled old tree. Would you refresh us with the water of your word? Would you produce fruit in season, change lives? Would you bless our ways as we seek to live for you? In Jesus' name, amen.